Welcome back, Dodecadorks. We're the 12-sided guys. We have Scott playing Ornan. At your service. Sabrina playing Sylvie. Oh, hello. Jordan playing Magram. You're most welcome. Matt playing Guy. That is my name. Don't wear it out. And me, Paul, as the 85-year-old, I mean 45-year-old Aeonan Inquisitor currently standing in the doorway <laughs> about ready to smite our heroes. But we'll get to that in a moment. First, listen to the things I'm going to say and then do them. If y'all aren't on the Discord yet... <laughs> if you... <laughs> if y'all aren't on the Discord yet, what the hell? Come hang out with us. Share your thoughts, memes, etc. And if y'all aren't patrons yet, what the hell? Go to patreon.com slash 12 guys and get your bonus content, including our Noxious Nocturne campaign recap. And if y'all ain't left a five-star rating and a glowing review, what the hell? It takes like five minutes and really helps us out. What the hell, guys? <laughs> and if y'all haven't checked out our shop at 12sidedguys.com, what the hell? We got buttons. <laughs> <laughs> and we're trying to figure out which Crystal Codex character was the favorite based solely on button sales. You know, the buttons that have a pin on the back so you can pin it anywhere, kind of like Ramblin' Rod used to wear. And if y'all don't know who Ramblin' Rod is yet, <laughs> what the hell? His picture got posted on the Discord a month or so ago. <laughs> anyway, if you ever ended up in hell with nothing but Griswold's Edge to keep you safe, then this podcast is for you. It's Chorus of the Forsaken, Episode 10. That knockback on Griswold's Edge was clutch against Diablo. Oh, yeah. Oh, my goodness. I love yeah. this. Oh, yeah. It was so clutch. I remember when Griswold, when I watched Matt beat Diablo with Griswold's Edge, and I never made it that far because that game got hard. <laughs> there were there were some games where I would like literally run past the butcher just so I could get a weapon with knockback, specifically even waiting until I had Griswold's Edge and then going all the way back and killing him. <laughs> wow. <laughs> uh, I just I just never played that game without duping. I don't know how people did it. Well, welcome back to Chorus of the Forsaken. Last time we were together, our heroes Oh gosh, what happened? Are we heroes yet? Are we heroes yet? <laughs> I'm not sure we're heroes yet. <laughs> okay. Uh, heroes of the taxes. And the townspeople do think that we killed the wizard of the woods. So I <laughs> yeah. think, yes. yeah, we're probably heroes. Yeah, we did kill a yeah. wizard, so then we're near a woods. I got it. That's the name <laughs> of our party. Our party should just be called the heroes question mark. <laughs> the heroes? Oh gosh. <laughs> Well, okay, so yeah, the hero's question. I don't think it's going to stick. <laughs> I doubt it. I doubt it. Wait, wait. The last time we were together, um, our heroes had uh, settled into the All the Way Inn, and they were trying to figure out what their next steps were. Guy was um, confronted by Calden, the son of his former girlfriend, Nalira Silvercrest. Let's say, okay, let's... Color like it is, she was my sugar mama. <laughs> yes. 
Um, anyway, he was asked by uh, Calden to break into the safe in the basement of Silvercrest Manor, which Guy agreed to do as long as Calden would get him some thieves tools, which he did deliver on. Then our party, our heroes question mark, went to sleep and had dreams. Each of them had a dream that was uh, different from each other. But this time, Guy dreamt uh, from the point of view of James Bartles, the halfling jester. Uh, and we witnessed James uh, descend into madness during that uh, little flashback. We had Ornan seeing through the eyes of Jingles, the skull on Bub's belt, and we watched Bubs venture out into a swampy land, looking up at the sky, wondering when it had gotten so dark. Magram watched from the eyes of Spritz, the fairy artificer, who seemed to be building more and more protections and traps around himself uh, to protect himself from something as he was working on an elaborate helmet. And we watched, sadly, Jibjab, Barry somebody in the woods i think we figured out it was badger and then jib jab uh, ventured back out into the wild as he could sense a stronger connection to the wild but also what happened is our party Guy, ornan magram and sylvie were all able to venture back into the memories of these other people back to that day in oak road when everything seemed to go wrong they were able to glean some more information, including that apparently Oak Road is somewhere warmer than Baragrad. Also that apparently it was 200 to 500 years in the past based solely on the fashions of the day. Um, the hats were too big and they weren't wearing <laughs> enough hose. That's right, exactly. <laughs> we also saw that the the figure that was raised up out of the sarcophagus was not necessarily dead, more like starved and emaciated but living flesh white hair hanging down and the last thing that we gleaned was that this was not raising someone from the dead this was more of a breaking a barrier um, and then our party woke up Guy then uh true to his word, went back to Silvercrest Manor, turning himself invisible, almost getting caught by a pooping butler, but not. He sneaked down into the basement and attempted multiple times to break into the safe, including using a crowbar, but was unable to get in. He then... Do we, do we know that Percy was actually pooping because he may have just been doing the crossword and that's the only place he's got some peace and quiet. <laughs> Well, anyway, uh, then Guy sneaked back out of the house with uh, empty hands. Back at the All the Way Inn in the morning, Tobias, the tax collector from the Baron, came and asked them to help accompany him back to Redlam with all of the treasures that they were able to glean in an effort to cover all of the missing taxes for the town of Beregrad. Our heroes kind of agreed that they would make a gold a day uh, to help protect um, all of this heading back to Redlam. And the last thing that happened... Ornan decided to go check on the food that he had left out for the visitor who had been stealing food a couple nights before. They saw footprints in the mud and that the food was missing. And Sylvie, with her amazing uh, tracking skills, was able to follow the footprints all the way to the southeast of the town to a little pond called Carlin Pond where they found... Gosh, I'm, this is a really long intro. I guess a lot happened last time. We're good at D&D. &D. <laughs> <laughs> 
they found this abandoned house on the other side of the pond. And after convincing uh, the person inside to come out, they discovered a small elf boy, probably 10 or 11 years old, uh, who said his name was Dilar. And he was from the town Knuckle Creek, which had been attacked by creatures. He informed you that he was being protected by someone named Myra, and he was being protected from her friends. You deduced that she must be that missing Aeonan Inquisitor. Uh, supposedly there were four, but you've only seen three. As you are talking to Dilar, suddenly from the door behind you, you hear a voice and it is Myra. She says that Dilar is under her protection and that is where we are right now. Myra is standing in the doorway with a drawn sword. What are you guys going to do? You have Dilar kind of off in this little doorway that leads into a small bedroom, but he is hugging Pranciful uh, with all his might as you are all confronted by Myra. Hands, my hands are up. I'm not. My sword is not drawn or anything. Yeah, Sylvia as well. We don't mean any harm. We were just coming to see who was in need of our help. Why did you follow me? Well, you made your your major tracks kind of kind of obvious, um, and it does seem like you wanted to be hidden. So, better us than than somebody worse. And your disappearance has caused a bit of a of an issue amongst the inquisitors that are still in town. And we wanted to warn you that I think pretty much every able-bodied combatant, trained combatant will be leaving the town within the next 24 hours and so you may be the only one in town with any kind of martial skill Yes, I had heard the rumors about Knuckle Creek I know that my brethren are, are heading that way to go and stop the, the beasts that have begun terrorizing the towns, in fact they've probably already left Yeah, I, I made some ration packs for them last night and I think they headed on their way either right then or in the morning. They're well on their way to Knuckle Creek. What made you stay behind and and abandon your your companions, if I may be so bold to ask? You see she bristles at that a little bit. She says, I have not abandoned my companions. No, I actually was out at Knuckle Creek. I was investigating the rumors that the beasts out around the town were becoming more and more wild. And what are your intentions with this child? And Mogram is going to be... I'd like to roll an insight on whatever it is she answers. Go ahead and roll insight. I got an 18. She says, Dilar is a victim in all that has happened. His home was attacked three days ago by the creatures that have been harassing the town of Knuckle Creek. But his family was not the only ones attacked. When I found him, he was cowering in his home alone. And it is my duty to protect those who are weaker, especially from the creatures and the abominations that infest this land. You're inside of 18. Um, You get the impression that she is leaving something out, but you're not sure what. Everyone else can roll inside if they want to. So Guy rolled a 13, but I already have my own suspicions, so. Ornan got a 20 on his insight. Nice. Sylvie got a 9, so not super insightful. I would say Ornan and Magram, you guys can both tell that something's missing. She's leaving something out, um, especially considering what Dilar has already told you about the fact that 
Um, it seems like he is the source of the blast that decimated his home, but you can't tell what she's leaving out. Uh, did we know that he was the source of the blast or did I just like not understand you? So Matt and Guy had deduced that. Okay. Just because we were talking about him potentially manifesting some power and they only talked about one house being burned. The other ones were all, you know, um, attacked and pierced and slashed, but no bludgeoning. Somebody called that <laughs> out in our Discord. It was yes. just piercing and slashing damage. So it was just piercing and slashing damage. Yes. <laughs> but uh, but Dilar's house was the one that was burned. And so the assumption there that Guy is making is that Dilar was afraid and some kind of power manifested in him that set his house ablaze. Yeah. When you were talking to Dilar in our last episode, Guy, you asked, have you manifested something? And then Dilar breaks down and starts crying. Uh, he says that his fam- that they, they killed his parents or whatever. So he doesn't actually say that it was him, but I think it was That's kind right. of... That's right. That's right. Yeah. Can I yeah. say something here to what she said then? Yeah, go for it. I'll just say, then it's fortunate that you came upon Dilar and you didn't mistake him for one of those abominations that you hunt. Logram's going to step forward and kind of interrogate her a little bit further. And he's going to say, a bit strange, no, for an inquisitor to a to abandon her position and her group within the city and abscond with a child refugee from a neighboring village. Uh, It feels that there is more at play here. She doesn't like it when you say she abandoned them. And yet they have no idea where she is. I have to figure out what to do with Dilar. But then I will go back to them. And what would figuring it out entail? What will you do to this child? She kind of narrows her eyes at you all, and she is going to try to get a feel for you guys. She's going to make an insight check on you. Uh, Guy's going to put his face mask up. Uh, He probably already had it up to, like, make Dilar feel better, but he's just going to have a a great big smile on his face, trying to make her feel comfortable. Okay. Sylvie's going to look mysterious as hell. (laughs) (laughs) Ooh, Sylvie, you're looking mysterious as hell. Mogram doesn't necessarily trust her. Um, he's thinking, because he's seen kind of the political intrigue within Inquisitor groups before, he thinks that she's trying to like, I found a wizard, I'm going to take him in and get all the glory and get a promotion or something, get the accolades for it. He doesn't trust that her intentions are totally benevolent. Okay. Ornan is going to step up and say, I get it, Vantorians, you guys are far more focused on hunting out the beasts than than someone who might uh, might need to be lit on a lamp, if you will. So why don't you leave the boy with us and you can go on back to Moose Knuckle Creek. <clears throat> Knuckle Creek. <laughs> <laughs> it's Knuckle Deep Creek. <laughs> Sorry, it was uh, Knuckle Deep in the Moose Knuckle Creek. What's it? What, what was it? <laughs> the creek over there. She stands up very proudly and she says, yes, I am a Ventorian. And that is what we do. We protect people like Dilar from the creatures out there. Of course. But Dilar needs more protection. She rolled an 11 on her insight. So she's still, she seems, still seems a little bit standoffish with you all. Um, but she turns to you, Ornan, after you say, leave Dilar with you guys. She says, and what will you do with him? Well, we'll take better care of him than leaving him in a, an abandoned hut out, out by the lake. No, listen, you've done a good job keeping him safe. Everybody, you've done a good job keeping him safe. Compliment sandwich. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> Guy is just going to say, but in all honesty, some of us have experience helping people like Delok. Maybe you've heard the name Wilhelm Lionstorm. We were in the same trade. Um, she rolled a history check um, and rolled a five. She's like, L- do you say, what was his name? William Lionstorm? Wilhelm Lionstorm. It's a rad name. <laughs> I would remember having heard that name. Damn it. <laughs> Another name from your book? <laughs> As you guys are talking, Dilar steps up holding Pranciful and says, Lady Myra, you said you were going to protect me from your friends. And then she says, yes, Dilar, I, I am going to protect you from anyone, including my friends. She asks you again. She says, I ask you again, what will you do with Dilar? He cannot stay here. No, indeed he cannot. We'll keep the boy far away from, from the Inquisitors and keep him rightly safe. Are we going to take him with us? What would we do with him? I'm sure we'd find a place for him. There are plenty of people who do not take kindly to the burning of children who would be willing to help him. Make an insight check or perception. All of you. Maybe maybe we should ask a dealer what his thoughts are. I rolled a three insight, so... Ornan got a nine insight. Sylvie got a solid two. Victor got a 23. Or a Mogram, sorry. Yeah, you keep saying Victor. I'm like, who's Victor? <laughs> sorry, my bad. Yeah, so <laughs> Mogram's full name is Victor Mogrimsky. Okay. But he goes, he goes by Mogram. <laughs> okay. Okay, that makes more sense. Okay, um, I think that um, Sylvie and Ornan and Guy, you are having this kind of back and forth, parsing words, trying to figure out, figure this woman out. Whereas, uh, Magram, you now instantly you click what was missing about what she said. And um, when, when Guy says children ending up on the fire, you see a burning passion in her eyes Magram that you uh, you instantly recognize that Myra is she will die before Dilar ends up on a fire okay with that Magram would like visibly much more relax his intensity his posture would come down quite a bit his hands would kind of come up in like a whoa okay okay like I apologize for being so confrontational um, I think he he could read enough from that that he's like, I can see her intention. What he would say then is he's like, uh, listen, Myra, I understand that there are complications with you being an inquisitor and finding somebody who has aptitude and is a pahaftma. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> and she's like, what? Still makes me giggle to say that. <laughs> she's like, what the heck's that? You guys realize that that is, Guy made that up on the spot canon he made up that term just to sound um important to sylvie i like the fact that everyone else is using it as if it's a real thing and then when people are confused they're like oh you've never heard that term before (laughs) that's how language works that's right it totally is it's gonna catch on by the end of this campaign just random people in the streets are gonna be like i heard they were a pahaftma and we're gonna be like yeah nailed it we did that they were picking their neighbor's potatoes (laughs) (laughs) their hands were getting all gringy (laughs) (laughs) oh i love it um but he's anyway magram's gonna say like 
I understand the complications of being an inquisitor and and feeling compassion for one that has aptitude for the arcane arts. As you know, there are places where they could go, where they could receive perhaps some training and some protection, where they might be free from the direct eye and scrutiny of the Inquisitors. But alongside an Inquisitor is no place for someone of his uh, apparent skills or aptitudes. He does need to leave, and we are in a position to take him potentially with us to a different location. She, um, she sheathes her sword and she steps into the house finally. So now she is in the room with you and she closes the door behind her. She looks at the four of you and then at Dilar and she says, I think that you're right. Him being with me is not the right answer. I have a calling. I have been chosen of Aona. She has gifted me with her power and I must use it. And what better time to use it than now when the creatures and abominations out in the woods are harassing the good folk of Knuckle Creek. I cannot keep Delar with me. But one thing you said, sir, you said to train him. That I cannot allow. Besides, just enough for him to not hurt himself or others. That seems like that's dealer's decision to make, not yours. And certainly I was not implying that the child be weaponized, but he clearly needs training in order to be able to control these impulses. Yes, I will agree that he does. And you will, you will see to this. You will make sure that he does not end up on a pyre. Well, it sure wouldn't be us putting him on the pyre. I think that would be your folk. Not all my folk. What I'm asking is, will you protect him from others? People who worship Iona differently than I do. People like Acolyte Xander, the dwarf who's with me. That one was rightly upset that you weren't around anymore. Yes, he can bite my bottom. I don't care. <laughs> you tell him, girl. <laughs> He's about at the height of that. I, I, yeah, okay. <laughs> Damn. Regardless, he is he is a brother in service of Iona, and I should go to him. I would leave Dilar in your care if you swear to me, if you swear a solemn oath that you will do everything in your power to protect him, to keep him away from others, other inquisitors, other Aeonan acolytes who will do him harm, and that you will see to it that he will not do himself harm either. You strike me as an honest individual. I give you my word that we will do what we can to protect the child and to see him to a place of some degree of safety. As you know, there is no guarantee of safety in this world, especially for one of his skills. But we will do what we can. I would say this, though, Myra. Rather than you go back to your comrades immediately... I think we might ask that you lay low perhaps for another day or two while we get a head start. Because I think and I suspect that you are aware that if your comrades decide to question you and they use all methods at their disposal to extract truth from you, then the truth of this situation may get to them and then they may pursue us. Make a persuasion check. This is a woman who feels a deep sense of urgency and um, responsibility to go west to Knuckle Creek. However, you make a very good point. 
No, I, not a great roll. Uh, it's just a four. She says, I understand what you're saying. However, I must help my brethren. I would urge you to get Dilar away as soon as possible. I will hold my tongue. Well, I pray that you do, and for as long as possible. Then I leave him in your care. She goes over to Dilar. She gets down on her knees. He is crying again. He's saying, no, no, don't go, Myra. Don't go. And uh, she uh, puts her hand on his head, kind of brushes his hair back, and she says, no, Dilar, you're strong. These four will take care of you. They have given me their word. You'll be as safe with them as possible. Do what they say. Follow their directions. And they will get you someplace safe. And he kind of sniffs <laughs> and nods. And then he gives her a big hug and says, Thank you, Myra. Thank you. And she, as she's hugging him, puts her head on his head. Gives him a little kiss on the top of his head. Stands up. Goes over into the corner of the room. Grabs a bag. Turns back around to you and says, I'm off for Knuckle Creek. I would recommend that by the time we get back you are gone and then she goes to the door opens it and walks out we're probably going to head toward Lone Shore so if you are forced to give any information that's where we're headed Lone Shore <laughs> she, uh, she's walking away she hears you but she doesn't look back and she heads over to uh, remember there were two rowboats there was the one that you came in and there was another one that had been beached she uh, gets into uh, one of the other robots and starts rowing back across the lake. All right, and here you all are in this building with a young boy holding Pranciful. As um, as she's kind of leaving, Sylvie will go over uh, to Dilar and will take out of her pack. She has some paper and she'll kind of like fold a little origami airplane and kind of like throw it at him and just kind of try to get him engaged. Yeah, okay, cool. Mogram will turn to the group and he's going to say, Guy Ornan Sylvie, I, I must apologize. I believe I have obligated us now to take care of this individual. I just... When the wolf protects the lamb, it is only a matter of time before something terrible happens. No, it was it was the right thing to do. Well, well we can definitely find a safe place for him. I, I know my family would be more than willing to, to take him in. Well, in the meantime, while we're traveling, I think he probably resembles me the most, so we'll say he's my nephew. I'm his uncle or something. That sounds reasonable to me. Yeah, he's he's already taller than me, so he couldn't be mine. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. All right. Very good. Uh, so you now have this young boy. You guys all realize that having Dilar here in town could be uh, a problem, because there are people from his village, from Knuckle Creek, that are still around, um, right? They've come here as kind of refugees, and they might recognize him. And that might create some questions. But you guys are all planning on leaving tomorrow, so I, I guess I need to know what you guys want to do uh, today and with Dilar. Well, I've got that basement that runs from my house over to the, all the way in. We could abscond him in there overnight, and then when we hit the road, we can pull him out and... And take him with us. We could take him there right now. Hey, hey, Dilar, hey, Dilar, have you ever wanted to be invisible? You mean like, like, where nothing can hurt me? That's invincible? Oh, because, yeah, I want to be that. Invisible is where nothing can see you. 
Oh, oh, <laughs> oh! Where nothing can see me. Mm-hmm. Oh, that sounds cool. All right, let's head back to your house, Orn, and we can. I've got a a little one that would love to play with you. The name's Kino. I'm sure the two of you can have some fun playing in the dirt in the basement. Okay. Okay, Nadila, I'm just going to trace some symbols on your forehead with my finger. Don't worry, it may tickle, but it's necessary. And I'm going to walk up to him and I'm going to make him vanish. Show me on the doll where he touched you. <laughs> sorry. I'm so sorry. Oh, Bridge of the nose to the temples and to the hairline. That's it. Nice. All right, you guys now have an invisible elf boy carrying Pranciful. So there's a flying puppy. Pranciful's <laughs> going to have to walk next to you, okay? Okay. Okay. Don't worry. He can't see you, but he can smell you. He's very good at smelling, so he knows exactly where you are. But he's the only one. Okay. All right, and I'll just, I'll stay close. I'll stay close to you, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Let's go get in a rowboat. <laughs> okay. You guys all leave the um, this rundown, beat-up building uh, and get back in the rowboat and row back across Carlin Pond to the main part of the town of Barograd. Before we get back in there, I will say, Nadila, I know it's fun to pick up sticks and hit trees and things, but you it's absolutely essential that you don't attack anything while, while you're while you're invisible, okay? Okay. All right. Um, <laughs> all of a sudden all of a sudden he turns visible as he's swinging a stick at an apple hanging from a tree. I know, Come right? Yeah. I was just thinking if I were walking through the forest as a little kid, I would definitely find a stick and start hitting things. That's awesome. Does that count right. as an attack? <laughs> throwing rocks, you know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. As you head back into Baragrad, you guys pass uh, by the herbalist house. You pass by the temple of Shantea and head back up towards the all the way in and Ornan's house where you tuck Dilar away. I'm guessing you take him down into the basement in the, in the cellar where all the mushrooms are. Light a couple of candles or torches because it's dark down there. And then you're going to get Kino to go down and play with him too? Yeah, yeah, I would have brought Kino down to play with him, keep him company. Awesome. Yeah, so as you leave Dilar for the moment, Dilar and Kino are downstairs. Dilar's no longer invisible, um, but uh, they are kind of doing that weird like, hi, hi, what's your name? Uh, my name's Dilar. I'm Kino. Want to play? Okay. Do you like bugs? I like bugs. And then like two minutes later, <laughs> we're best friends. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> They're running through the tunnel going, hey hey <laughs> Go, go, Power Rangers! I'm the Red Ranger! You know, whatever. Just playing as little kids do. <laughs> you now are free to do whatever else you need to do for the day. Ryla needs to know that we're going to be ready to go tomorrow. So we should let her know that it's tomorrow or never. We also need to let Tobias know that it has to be tomorrow. So somebody needs to go to the castle to talk to Tobias, and then yeah. somebody else needs to talk to Ryla probably at the inn. I call talking to Ryla... <laughs> I can go and speak with Tobias. Yes, I'd, I'd quite like to see that castle again. I'll, I'll go with you. I'll stay here in the inn and work the tavern while uh, maybe the last day I'll do it for a while. I want to say one thing. Sylvie, going back to the castle, reminded me of something. I misspoke when we were looking in the armory at the castle and I said that she couldn't get any benefit from armor. I was technically wrong. She could get all of the AC benefits of wearing armor. But the drawbacks are huge. Like you can't cast spells and you have disadvantage on basically everything. So technically you could have had a higher AC, but you wouldn't have been able to do anything. 
not good value. Yeah. Well, then let's start with Ornan and uh, Guy. As Sylvie and Magram start making their way north towards the castle, Ornan and Guy come up out of the basement into the All the Way Inn, and it is not hard to find Ryla. Ryla is sitting at a table. It looks like she is um, sitting across from a couple uh, who are talking to her, and she looks to be scribbling some things on some paper as she is having some sort of like a meeting. As you watch her for a couple of maybe like 30 seconds or something, she stands up and they stand up and then they shake hands. A little bit of gold is exchanged. And then um, she says, all right, we'll see you tomorrow morning, bright and early. And then the couple uh, leaves. Oh, did you find some more passengers for your caravan? Yes, actually, I've been hard at work and... Um, I think I think I'll be able to do it. I think that she kind of looks around the room, waves you over to come closer. I'll come close. Maybe even a little too close, but not so close. <laughs> Comfortably close, but unnecessarily closer... close. <laughs> close enough that I could very easily just put my hand on her elbow. What's Ornan going to do? Ornan's just watching. He's listening. Close enough to listen, but not enough to smell her. <laughs> Air sniffing. Got it. Here's the deal. I have access to two wagons as well as horses, and we're leaving tomorrow. I've already been gathering up some folk who want to get out of here. Considering all of the trouble going on in Knuckle Creek, I've got some people who want to head further east, more into civilization. So we have some people who are ready to go, and I have the wagons. I just need you guys for protection. Now, the people that you'll be bringing with you, are they from Berograd or are they from the Knuckle Creek area? The couple who I was just speaking with, they're actually from Knuckle Creek. But, damn it, I did, spe- I did speak with our good friend Tobias, and he has actually hired one of the wagons completely. Uh, he is ready to go tomorrow as well. This is great news. We'll have a caravan ready to go in the morning. Just, she kind of looks around the room. She's like, just let's not spread word too loudly. Okay. Yeah, I, I understand. Remind me of the name of your old partner. Why would you need to know his name? <laughs> <laughs> she really does say that. He'll be stranded here, is what, is what you're saying. Basically, until another caravan comes through that he can kind of attach himself to. She says, Gideon will be fine. Oh, that was I wasn't trying to guilt trip you. I was just wondering if Gideon was going to be one of, the, one of the ones coming or if he was going to be staying behind. She looks around. She's trying to be surreptitious, but she's not very good at it. And she says, Gideon won't be coming with us. Okay, less competition for me. Oh, did I say that out loud? (laughs) (laughs) So embarrassed. (laughs) And I put my hand on her elbow. (laughs) So embarrassed. (laughs) I didn't realize you and Gideon were sweet on each other. What? (laughs) What are you talking? Me and Gideon? No. No, not at all. Well, we actually have, um, oh, dang it. Do I, okay, do I continue with the thing about him being my nephew? But there'll be people there from Knuckle Creek who would recognize him. He could still be your nephew. Like, why are you in the city? That's true. Okay. We'll also have, um, my nephew with us. But don't worry, he won't get in the way. He's small. (laughs) He's taller than me. He's small but hardy. You know, you can put him to work, child labor. Don't even have to pay him. (laughs) All right. Well, as long as he doesn't get in the way, doesn't make a mess, doesn't doesn't slow us down, that should be just fine. Right. Tomorrow morning, first light. Yes, tomorrow morning we leave at first light. 
Okay. So don't be late. I don't have to sleep much. I'll be okay. I just made a roll real quick to see how well you touching her elbow went over. I rolled a 10. You don't know. <laughs> you touched her elbow. <laughs> yeah, she, she didn't slap your hand away, but she also didn't, she didn't reciprocate. She touched my leg. <laughs> Kill him. <laughs> no, shoot him. Um, okay. Uh, yeah, she didn't reciprocate any touching, but she also didn't pull her arm away. Um, as you are finishing up your conversation here with Ryla, we have uh, Magram and Sylvie tromping back to the castle just as the rain clouds open and rain starts to fall from the sky. Uh, not terribly hard, just kind of a misting for now. But looking up, it looks like uh, it might start raining relatively hard um, later today as well as overnight. There are a lot of rain clouds in the sky. You march your way north towards uh, Grimley Castle, heading up the uh, ramp up to the front gate, which is closed. Um, and there you are, standing in front of the castle. Bogram will kind of pull up his leather coat that he wears that's now slick with the rain, and he's got his wide-brimmed leather hat that plague doctors often are seen depicted as wearing. Um, and he will come up and bang on the castle door. It takes a moment, uh, probably, you know, 30 seconds or so. Then you hear, um, you see a little window in the door open up and you see a woman's face uh, behind it. And you recognize the last surviving guard of the castle, a woman named Lydia. Um, she peeks through and she says, what do you need? We need to speak with Tobias. Is he here? Oh, oh, it's you. Um, yeah, just a minute. You hear the locks opening and then the doors open up. And you can see again, Lydia, this... A uh, thin woman with dark hair, like down to her shoulders. Uh, she got a short sword on one hip and a, a dagger on the other. Um, she says, "Yeah, he's um, he's in the courtyard. I'm pretty sure you know the way." Excellent, thank you. Magramol, just head right on in. Yeah, Sylvia will follow right behind. As you guys move into the castle and um, you move through the great hall and out into the courtyard. You can see that Tobias is there standing um, in the rain. He's got a cloak pulled up over his head. You can see he's standing there talking with Edmund, the steward of the castle. And there is a pile of crates and boxes. You can see like uh, weapons and swords. And uh, there's even like a suit of plate armor laying down in this pile. As you approach, you see Tobias and Edmund are looking through, keeping like some notes on a book. And you hear Tobias say, well, if that's everything, then that's... That's going to have to cover it. And then he turns and sees you all coming in. He says, ah, Magrum, Sylvie, what can I do for you? Tobias, it is uh, good to see you again. I hope the accounting is going well here at the castle. Have you been able to find an ample supply of valuables? He looks back at the pile of things and he kind of bites his fingernail and says, I, I think this will, this will have to do. This is, this is what we could find. Uh, we're going to load it up into a wagon tonight, and we leave at first light with a caravan heading back to the east. This is good, because uh, we came to let you know that we will be accompanying the caravan as well to escort you back. Perfect. And uh, a gold a day, correct? That's the, uh, that was the agreed-upon price. Uh, yes. As you will. That sounds appropriate. And I do believe um, we will be having a, uh, another guest with us. He's a small child, a nephew of one of our parties. I'm assuming his care can be taken care of as well. As long as he doesn't get in the way. Um, what are you doing for the rest of the day? 
resupplying primarily. Is there something that you needed? Uh, he looks at this big pile of stuff. He's like, yes, we, we need to load this up into a wagon. I was hoping to borrow some of your muscle. Well, I'm here. <laughs> <laughs> you perhaps have the two least muscly of us but we perhaps can help for a little bit of time perhaps there are a few kind of key items which we can take to the caravan now um so here is what's going to happen first off is there anything anybody else wants to do today before nighttime i mean this well over here is making me want to see if there's any face spiders down there <laughs> <laughs> there is a well in the middle of the courtyard I was just thinking, if I go in the well and I find that lady, she'll pay me like five rupees. <laughs> At first I thought you said rubies, and then I realized you said rupees. <laughs> rupees, yes. Rupees. Yes. Like puppies. <laughs> so is, is there anything else anybody else wants to do uh, during the rest of this day? You know, Mogram was just going to try to resupply some of his, his own stock of things for medical bandages and other components he uses for his abilities. Okay, perfect. Yeah, um, that shouldn't be a problem. Ornan's finishing a letter to Kino and another one to Gemma. Okay. Ooh, to Gemma. What's it say? Ooh, I'll <laughs> tell you when I write it. <laughs> <laughs> there is one thing, too, that Mogram will want to do at some point before they depart. He wants to take some time to attune to and try to identify the dagger. Okay. Yeah, not a problem. You have to spend some time with it, um, realizing that if it is cursed, that then you will be cursed. But yes. Yeah, it's a roll of the <laughs> dice, and I know that for sure. But this is a game about rolling dice, so let's do that. <laughs> this is a game about rolling dice. Awesome. Okay, so you want to get some uh, some of your uh, your equipment and figure out the dagger. Um, Ornan's writing some letters. Guy and Sylvie, what are you guys doing? Uh, Sylvie would want to talk to Dealer a little bit, um, hopefully once he's feeling a little bit more comfortable and chill, and just kind of ask him some questions about his uh, Pahoftma status. Okay. And Guy, I know Guy has something to do tonight, but what about today during the day? So um, Guy would actually like to visit the Chapel of Shantaya. Okay. And just to give you a heads up, Paul, in Guy's previous employment, Oftentimes, it was the clerics or leaders of non-Aeonian religions that tended to be more willing to harbor Pahoptimas. Okay, yes. He wants to see if their cleric would have any connections in Redlam that Guy could then try to use to get Dilar placed someplace safe. Yeah, okay. So I don't know that you would know this, but you can get the information relatively quickly. Her name is Ilara, and she is a pastoral of Shantaya. And um, anybody who knows anything about Shantaya, pastorals are kind of the lower ranking clergy. She's not like a high ranking uh, priestess or anything, but her name is Ilara. Okay. But she may know some other, you know, recent seminary graduates in Redlam or something. Oh, she's young. She is very, very young. Um, in fact, I think that you guys may have even seen her in the tavern one night, uh, just for a little bit. But, um, but yeah, she is quite young. She's maybe hopefully not you know, drinking. I know she got carded and had to leave. <laughs> <laughs> You'd say she's like nineteen or twenty, probably. Okay, so let's go ahead and get this started.
Magram, it's fairly simple for you to go over to the um, the herbalist house, actually. Um, so as you approach this home, it is, uh, it's a house that's been kind of converted. You can tell it's the herbalist because there's all kinds of weird hanging baskets with like basil and thyme. And I'm thinking like, um, what's, what's her name from Witcher 3? Remember the herbalist in that first town where you're like, oh, I yeah. wonder if Geralt can hook up with this woman, but you can't. <laughs> yes, you can. Wait, you... Yeah, it's like the first person you can hook up with. Wait, what? Nuh-uh. The herbalist? <laughs> like the first herbalist you run into? Oh, 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 you're thinking the herbalist in White Orchard. We are thinking yes. of Kira Metz, who is the herbalist in once you get out of the prologue area. Okay. But she ends up being like an actual powerful sorceress. That's, oh, that's yeah, the confusion. Yeah. Oh, that, okay, yeah, now I'm talking about We're the one We're thinking Kira in... Metz. Yes, yeah, okay. Anyway... <laughs> anyway. There's like little fields um, kind of around little uh, patches of, of ground where these uh, unique and foreign plants are growing. They're tended very, very well. Uh, Magram, you also have some ingredients that you managed to pilfer from uh, Cassandra the Unnatural, from these strange ceremonies that she was doing. You have some of those which are potentially valuable. What I'd like to do, like, I'll buy a few glass vials and some different things for cooking up some chemistry for making the different things that Mogram uses. So he's going to need, like, milk of the poppy and distilled oils from poison ivy plants, venom from snakes and insects, things of that nature. All of this kind of weird stuff, but it all comes out as ways of having antiseptics and coagulants and analgesics and stuff like that that he uses and morphine <laughs> basically yeah yeah that's his painkillers that he uses for his healing stuff is it's like a concoction of morphine and adrenaline and epinephrine that is from venom so yeah all that stuff a little a little morphine cocaine mix yeah <laughs> right <laughs> and then he'll probably pick up like some basic supplies of food and stuff so if it's cool with you i might i'm guessing he'd maybe spend about two gold on all that stuff yeah and then anything he had pilfered from cassandra he would want to sell that i don't know how much you might think that might be worth but he'll probably just sell whatever he can't use right i would say that that whatever whatever you had pilfered would be a wash of whatever you want um and then also um i I'd mentioned when you first were pilfering things you have as you're talking with the herbalist her eyes get wide she's like, oh i could i could really use this and um some of the ingredients that you have would be able to make either six healing potions or two greater healing potions so if you want you can spend a little bit of money and get some healing potions. Basically, you're just paying for her time. Is that something you'd be interested in doing? What would that cost be? Mogram's pretty broke. <laughs> yeah, healing potions are normally 50 gold pieces. Um, I'd say if you gave her everything, you could get one greater healing potion or three healing potions for free. She would just keep the other ingredients as your payment. Yeah, deal. Let's do that. So which one do you want? One greater or three regular? Let's do three regular. Okay. Awesome. And if we're being honest, when we get back with the group, Mogram's going to hand each of those to everybody else because he would heal himself, but he wants them to be able to heal each other or heal him if he goes down. So, right. All right. So that is your experience there with the herbalist. Ornan, you are in the all the way in. It is kind of the early afternoon when things are a little slower as everyone's getting ready for the dinner rush. And you take some moments to pen out your letter uh, to Kino. 
Kino, you remind me of your father every day, and the fine young man you've become is, would make him proud. His soul, as, as you know, is, is resting with Aona. He's watching you and your mother from afar. And I, unfortunately, will also have to watch you from afar. Circumstances have changed, and, and I need to, to take the road. I know I've told you on occasion that there's some, there's some strange things about our family, and they, they make it so that we, we don't fit in everywhere that we go. Maybe one day I'll be back and I can explain more to you, but, but your mother has all the details on this. In the meanwhile, I will write letters as often as I can. I'll, I'll try for once a week, but they might come in really randomly and you might get a batch of ten of them at once. Wouldn't that be something? It's probably because our tax dollars aren't going to the post office <laughs> like they should be. <laughs> now, I did leave something for you. Something, something rather special. When your father and I were, were just becoming young adults, we joined the, the Glimhaven Militia. And I have your father's old tabard. I've left it on your bed for you. Now, you can play with it if you'd like, but you should, you should keep that close and safe. It's a treasured thing that I was going to give you when you were just a, just a wee bit older, but, but I don't know that I'll be around to give it to you then. So treasure this and, and think of your father and, and of me. And uh, I love you, Kino. I'll be back as soon as I can. That was really sweet. All right. Sylvie, you um, make your way down into the cave uh, beneath Ornan's house, the cave that connects Ornan's house to the all the way in. You can see that at this point, um, Kino has gone back up to go grab a snack. And you see that Dilar is down here by himself playing with Prancifal. Hi, Dilar. How, how are you doing? You, uh, you feeling a little bit better? Yeah, he doesn't really look up. He's just kind of petting the dog. As you know, as kids do, we're like, yeah, I'm, I'm good. And he's just petting Principal's head. Well, I'm really glad that uh, we got to meet. My name's Sylvie. I, um, I wanted to ask you a few questions. Would that be okay? Uh, yeah, I guess. Yeah. And like, um, as she's kind of leaning down, she'll sit down next to him. Um, she will just use like a minor illusion and create... I don't know, some cool little, like, fireworks. <gasps> Whoa. How did you do that? Well, I... I also have some, some pretty cool abilities like you do. And I just wanted to let you know that... That it's okay. Um, I know it's kind of scary, but... You're, you're around people right now who are going to protect you. And and uh, you don't have to be afraid of, of your magic. I... I don't even know. I don't even know what it was. Just once, one second I was, I was about to get eaten. And the next second, it just a big, big flash of light. And then, and then I was all alone. And there, there were, there were creatures around me, but they were dead. And, uh, and I guess I did that. That's, that's incredible. That sounds really scary. I don't know what it was. Well, if you want, we can help you. Um, we can help you learn what that was and um, maybe help you be able to do cool stuff like this. And then she'll do another cool illusion. She'll do a, basically like Gandalf's dragon going through the Shire, except really little. 
Oh, gotcha, gotcha. <laughs> he drops on the ground and then looks up and goes, ah, when it turns into uh, fireworks like, like on the show. Let's find another one. <laughs> but it's like a really bad, like a really poorly done kind of like stick figure. <laughs> he's still, yeah, that's amazing. He's never seen anything like this. Um, he looks at you and he's like, but isn't this, isn't this bad? I mean, we're not supposed to do this, right? Does this mean I'm a bad person? It does not mean you're a bad person. It, it definitely doesn't. Um, there are some people out there who don't who don't like it when other people are different. And right now we do kind of have to be careful. But my family, I come from a family where people who are different are celebrated. And we we use this this magic for good. And you can learn to do that too. He thinks for a second. He goes, oh, I, I think I want to do that. I think I want to do that. I want to learn. I want to learn to do stuff for good too. Alrighty. Well, I'll I'll leave you to it for now. I just wanted to chat with you about that. I appreciate you taking the time. Okay. All right, and I'll, I'll see you later. All right. Thanks, Bud. Fist bump him. He goes back to playing to playing with uh with Prancifal, throwing a ball and and then coming back with a a bag full of a, a human bone. For some reason. <laughs> oh, wait, we already did that joke. Never mind. We've already done that joke. I saw this and I thought of you. <laughs> like, jeez, you give me a skull. <laughs> ah, all right. Awesome. And then, um, Guy, what are you up to then with your the rest of your day? So Guy's going to head over to the chapel of Shantea. Okay. And just kind of uh, go in the front doors and look around to see if you can see this uh, this pastoral. The Chapel of Shantea has, it's roughly square, almost like a plus sign. Um, It's not super large, but it is new. It is well built. It's got big windows on the sides. The roof in the center is um, green glass, like a greenhouse. And you can see all around it are these gardens uh, uh, with flowers and, uh, and shrubberies. It's taken very good care of. You approach the Chapel of Shantea from the west... And um, when you go into the chapel, you can see that even though it's raining outside, it is bright in here. The dim light coming from uh, the sky, it's blocked out by the clouds, but it still lights up this room. And you can see that in the center, there is kind of this garden plot. You can see like cauliflower and grapes and beans and different things growing here in the center. You see a couple people just milling about and you can see that at the south end, there is this statue of Shantea and standing behind this altar, uh, working on some of the plants and shrubberies around this statue, you see this young woman who you have seen around picking some weeds out of this flower bed. She's wearing simple robes of like brown and like a green cloak over it. But she sees you come in. She says, welcome to the chapel of Shantea. How can I be of service? Yeah, I'll approach her and I'll say, well, uh, hello. I don't think we've formally met before, but my name is Guy. And uh, I was hoping you could help me. Okay. Um, Sure. What is it you need? Do you need some food? Oh, no, I have I have plenty. Thank you very much, though. So out of earshot of other people, I'm going to attempt to use some thieves camp phrasing um, that maybe has worked in the past. But I'll say, I'm on my way to Redlam, and um, I will have some clothing to donate to a charity there. And I was wondering if there were any that you could recommend. If you knew anybody in town, I'll have 
shoes and socks and pants and shirts. And that is like a code for an entire person. Okay. And so if she is at all in the know, um, then she would pick up on what I'm putting down. Got it. She is very young. And so I think that you are a little bit unsure if she would have the, even the experience to, uh, to know uh, what you're talking about. However, you have had experience in the past with specific, um, you know, acolytes, priests of Shantea. You know that they generally want to be helpful. And as you are speaking with uh, this young woman, you start to talk and she's listening. And then you see her brow furrow a little bit. And then she nods and she says, yes, I, I think I think I do know of someone who might be able to help you. Um, why don't you wait here for a second? I'm going to go and find their name, but they are in Redlam and they would be more than happy to accept your donation. That would be wonderful. Thank you. Oh, and by the way, I love your plants. <laughs> Thank you so much. I spend a lot of time on them, <laughs> spreading manure and, and like as she shakes your hand. <laughs> and then as she leaves, I just look at one of the other congregants here and I'll say, isn't she just the cutest? The other two congregants are both men, and they both look at you and they go, uh-huh. <laughs> like, <laughs> one of them is big goofy guy, big goofy random guy. Oh, yes. Random <laughs> yes. man. Or... Random man. <laughs> and then the other, there is like a, a, a halfling man in the here as well. The listeners need to know that random man is like missing three teeth. <laughs> yes. Oh, yeah, but he looks gosh. so darn happy, though. He does. Uh, he looks like the guy who peaked in high school, but like stayed in a small town and is still yes. doing just yes. fine, yeah. you know? Oh, man. Exactly. Uh, After a few minutes, you see Alara come back out and she's got a little um, a piece of paper and she hands it to you and she says, This person will be more than happy to accept your donation. And I really appreciate you coming to the um, chapel of Shantea. I wish there was more I could do for you here. Well, I am staying at the All the Way Inn if you wanted to grab a drink or something. She puts me in tomorrow, <laughs> so there's just this one day. You're the one who speaks Thieves Can't. She's telling you that's all she can do for you. There's nothing else she can do here for your specific predicament. But she does have somebody you can meet. And she puts her I hand mean, on your shoulder and I she... I don't think that's the <laughs> predicament he's talking about, dude. I know it's I not. effortlessly and smoothly transitioned into flirtation. <laughs> I'm very She's good at it. <laughs> She says, have a blessed day and may Shantea's bounty fill your soul. And then she's going to go back to the little gardens plucking out weeds. As I head back to the all the way in, I'll be like, I didn't realize that the pastorals of Shantea were nuns. Because <laughs> that's obviously the only explanation for why she was uh, interested. Out of here. Oh my gosh. All right. Well, we are going to fast forward a little bit through the rest of the day that you guys have all kind of done your things for the day. We'll say at this point, um, out in front of the castle, there is a wagon that is loaded up. It's a carriage. It's full of boxes and um, crates and things are strapped to the roof. And you can see that Gardenia is out there um, kind of keeping a watch throughout the night to make sure nobody pilfers anything in the night. Um, you guys have all had dinner. Ryla goes to bed. But before she goes to bed, she tells you all, remember, we leave at first light. So be ready. Did you need me to drive one of the carriages? If you could, that would be fantastic. Thank you. I'm very good at it. <laughs> 
I'm sure you're very good with your hands. And then she goes up to bed. Yes. If there's, if there's nothing else anybody wants to do. Sublime. <laughs> we will go to um, a little midnight mission. Ooh. As everyone is asleep, either in their home or in the all the way in, I'm guessing that after four hours of trancing, Guy uh, comes to and is going to make one more attempt at breaking into the safe of Silvercrest Manor. And it's a good thing that there's not really a lot of people here who can arrest me. Because <laughs> <laughs> I think I'm getting caught tonight. Okay. All right. How are you doing this? Same way I did last time. So I'm going to be invisible and I'm going to go in that back servant's entrance. Um, and I'm going to attempt to just go right down into the basement, right to the safe. Okay. This time, uh, I won't even make you roll. There's no resistance. There's nobody pooping, nothing. The door is unlocked as you would expect. <laughs> There's you... no resistance. <laughs> he wasn't constipated. <laughs> Very loose stool. Watery. Even. Exactly you make your way uh, down into the basement. As you get down into the basement, you can see again the trophies on the wall, you see the pelts and things. Um, as you come around the corner to that curtain that is uh, drawn across the entryway that leads into the room with the safe, when you come around there, you see that the room is already lit. There is somebody down there and uh, you see Calvin is down there sitting on one of the boxes waiting for you. I'm going to attempt to silently move past him and just start picking the lock invisibly. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. Why don't you make a stealth check? I have advantage because he can't see me, I, I'm assuming, right? <laughs> yes. No, you're invisible. Okay. Um, so I got a seven. <laughs> <laughs> I got a, a nat one, and this looks like I rolled a five. <laughs> So okay. I got a seven total. Okay. Um, as you um, start approaching the safe, because he rolled a 17. That's the roll. That's not even with uh, with perception. Um, you step on a floorboard and there's a creak and he stands up and says, Who, Who's there? Gee? Yes, it's me. I was being very sneaky. I didn't. I didn't realize that you could and he's kind of looking around the room he, he can tell where your voice is coming from but he's like not making eye contact with you because he can't actually see you um i didn't realize you could do this um oh this wasn't me this was a potion oh okay i'm gonna try attempt a deception check on that that's a 25 <laughs> deception uh okay if you can if you can get a natural 20 oh it's a two it's like oh oh <laughs> of course uh, a very good use of the potion um Okay, I came I came down to lend whatever assistance I can because I I can't stay here any longer. And I, I need this done tonight, if it can be done. Where will you go? I I will leave. I cannot be around my mother anymore. There's a caravan leaving tomorrow. I am aware. I already have a place in it. I just I just I need to see. I need to see if there's anything in this safe. Alright, let's give it a try. Um, and I'll pull out the, the lock picks and I'm going to try to stay invisible while I do it. I don't know if he'll be able to help me if I'm invisible. Um, well, he's there so he can help you. It's fine. You can have advantage. Okay. All right. So I'm going to attempt to pick this, this safe again. 
while I'm doing this, so I will be talking to him, and I'll and I'll say, you seemed pretty nervous when you thought that I was some kind of wizard. Um, it's it's not safe to do certain things when certain people are around, as I'm sure you're aware. I'm totally aware. In fact, this potion was probably highly illegal. Yes. Well, um, I appreciate you using such a valuable uh, a valuable asset um, to help me. Thank you. I promised to do what I could, and I it crushed me that I failed last night, because <laughs> usually I'm very good at this. Oh, your note <laughs> said that something came up. I didn't realize that you failed. Well, something came up, and I couldn't get it open last night. I mean, yeah. It, it, okay. Why <laughs> <laughs> don't you make your rolls? Okay. Uh, it's a 10 and a 14 with advantage, so the 14. Okay. It needs an 18, right? Yeah, it's an 18. You start working on it, and you feel like you're starting to get it. But, I mean, you've been working on it now for like a half an hour. We'll say that at this point, your invisibility wears off. Poof. You are now visible. Okay. All right. You you have some more time to work on this if you want to try again. You have about seven minutes in this dark room alone. Galligan, <laughs> what do you want to do? I um I seven attempt- minutes in heaven. Speaking of seven minutes in heaven, I got a seven on my next attempt with advantage. Oh man, a seven and a five. Oh my gosh. Ugh. Now at least like an hour and a half has passed by of you just working on this. And he's like, are you sh- are you sure you can do it? You can see that Calvin is starting to like sweat, starting to get nervous. Um, he's kind of glancing around. Are you sure you can do this? I I can do this. Okay. He is going to put his hand on your shoulder and he's going to say, I believe in you. And I want you to make a perception check. <gasps> That's a 21. Why can't I should have saved that roll, Paul? <laughs> <laughs> and he rolled a 19. Um, as he touches you, he tries to disguise some some kind of movement of his hand, but you recognize the subtle casting of a spell, and you have guidance on this next roll. Oh, jeez. With advantage. And I'll look at him, and I'll give him a kiss on the cheek, and I'll say, for luck. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> Oh, oh, okay. I got a 17. Then with the extra D4 for guidance, it bumped it up to a 19. Yeah, some extra D. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. All right. Um, Okay. As you are working on this lock, um, the kiss or the spell or something. Um, Calden is convinced that you did not notice that he cast a spell on you. You gave him a kiss and you hear that click and then the door shifts in place. You know that it is now open and you can open it. And then I do the big wheel vault thing and spin it and open it up and I'll say, voila. And he goes, I can't believe it's open. And as you open the safe and you look in. Dexterity save? <laughs> no. Okay. You see that the safe, which is, it's about, from the ground up, it's about to your chest, right? You see that the door opens and there is nothing inside of the safe. In fact, there is not even a back wall to the safe. There is a passageway in the back of this safe. (laughs) Calden steps around you and looks in past you. What? is this what are you gonna do that's all he does because the way he moved his token i thought he was gonna try to shove me in there and then lock me in some <laughs> basement <laughs> torture dungeon Ugh. 
honestly, I was expecting to find, like, a notebook, a dossier, whatever fancy things spies are usually getting from safes. Uh, would you like to check it out with me? Yes, I would. He goes over to the, the candle that he had brought down here, um, and he brings it with him. Uh, and he goes in first. And are you going to follow? I will follow, but before I start following him, as he gets a little ways ahead of me, I'm going to go ahead and do Investiture of the Void, trying to hide it from him. Okay. Because I don't have my armor on again. And I don't think I have any weapons with me, probably, either. Well, no, I would I would probably at least have, like, a dagger. Whatever's on my normal belt. So, yeah, like a sword and a dagger, but I don't have my shield or my armor. Okay. All right. No shield or armor. Very good. Okay. You and Calden move into this dark hallway. Uh, the floorboards are old and kind of rotting. Not old like ancient, but old like wood that sits on dirt for a long period of time. You know what I mean? Um, maybe 12 years old, maybe 20 years old, but not like a century old. Okay. And you venture into the safe and you can see that there is this 10 foot long hallway. You have to duck to get through the safe, but then you're able to stand up in this hallway. At the end of this hallway, you can see that there is a, a curtain that is drawn across the hallway. And Calden steps up to it and pushes the curtain aside. And as you look past him, you can see um, behind him, there is this like 25 foot by 25 foot room uh it has some big beams holding up the ceiling which is about eight feet up you can see that there are uh some shelves and some old candles and things there's something also on the far end of the room at the other side of the entrance and Keldon moves in and starts looking around the room i will follow i'm seeing some things on the map here that you haven't described yet that are making me very uncomfortable correct why don't you make a perception check that's a six <laughs> So what you notice is um, as you step in, you can smell like something unpleasant. It smells like a latrine. It smells kind of sewagey down here. Um, you can see that there's these shelves. They have pots and urns and vases and stuff on the shelves on the east wall and on the west wall. You also see that um, there is a door on the eastern wall and a door on the western wall. And at the far end of the room, you can see that there is some kind of an altar or like a plinth of some kind. You see a little a little bench with a cushion on it um, that's like right about shin height to maybe kneel on. And, and then in front of that bench, uh, there is um, an altar. And what I want you to do is make a religion or arcana check. Oof, I am bad at both. Let's go ahead and do, let's do religion. That's a nine. You recognize definitely some sort of religious rite, ritual uh, going on down here. I'll just tell you what you see, but you don't know who this is to. But you can see that there is a, uh, like a dark stone altar and there is a skull sitting on top of the altar. It looks like a human skull, um, old and bleached with time. But um, spaced around the skull, you see seven red rubies, uh, kind of in the shape of a teardrop. They're cut into the shape of a teardrop. They're not like set in the altar. They're just resting on the altar around this skull. Um, but also right in front of the skull, you see another smaller little altar. And on that, there is a gold dish. And 
on that dish, there is what looks like some fleshy lump of something. It takes you a second to realize that it's uh, like an old, leathery, dried-out human heart with a dagger stuck in it. Oh. Before um, Kaladin can move too much around the room, I'll say, Don't move. Give me a minute. He looks at you and puts his hands up. What? No, just no. I'm, I'm not, like, threatening you. He looks at you in the eyes and he says, No, I, I know you wouldn't hurt me. Is there a trap? There could be. Why don't you go back and um, will you attempt to pull the safe door closed but not, like, seal it just in case we can't get out? Um, I'm going to... I picked up something. Um, a little skill. I'm going to attempt to do it, but it'll take me about ten minutes. And I will kneel down and I'll pull out my book off my belt and I will start putting out some little trinkets, little totems and carvings, little pieces from a pouch of components. And I will start to ritually cast Detect Magic, which I call Behold the Weave. I'm going to attempt to see the weave of magic in this room. Okay. Okay, Gail. <laughs> you start working on this ritual. Calden goes and he starts to, he pulls the door so it's ajar, but it's not totally shut. And then he comes back and he, and he watches what you're doing. Totally quietly, just kind of watching your movements with interest. After 10 minutes, your spell of detect magic goes up and you don't detect any magic in this room. Oh, really? Yes. The dagger appears to be mundane. Um, it is jagged and it's flamboyant. Um, as in like, you know, it, it looks like something you'd see in a Bud K catalog almost. Um, yeah. <laughs> but it is definitely a dagger. It's not like a showpiece or something like that. Um, mm-hmm. But it's also not magical. And as you kind of approach the altar, the skull is not magic. The rubies are not magic. But the rubies look expensive. Yeah. Calden steps forward and he starts looking at the altar. He's like, what, what, what do you think this means? It looks like it's some kind of a prayer or a worship. Um, I don't know if it's an attempt to evoke anything. Honestly, I that is not my forte. My forte is obviously safe cracking. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. So maybe we should look to see what's in these other two rooms, and then you can decide what you want to do. Those rubies, though, might fetch a very good price if you were to take them with you. He steps up and he kind of looks at the altar and he says, whatever this is, it does not look good. Um, and he takes the rubies and he pulls them all off and puts them into a pouch. All right. Left or right? I leave it up to you. Left. You head over to the door on the western wall. Um, you open that door, and in there you see that there is like a 15-foot by 15-foot room. Um, it appears that there is a door in that room. There's a door on the north side of the room. There is also a ladder going up to a hatch in the ceiling. And on the south wall, it looks like there is an old dresser, an old like cupboard of some kind um, that is just chilling in this room. So... The door you came in, a door on the north wall, a ladder going up, and then a cupboard. Make a perception check. I feel like I should have my friends here. (laughs) Uh, I got an 11. All right. Okay. Um, Calden follows you into the room. Magrum, at this point, you are sleeping. Ornan, you are sleeping. Sylvie, you are fast asleep. 
Back to Guy. <laughs> <laughs> We're doing this in initiative order. <laughs> yeah. I'd like us to do that for every round. I'm going to use my action to roll over to my left side. <laughs> That's awesome. All right. Uh, okay. Calden moves into the room with you. Guy, what are you going to do in here? I'm trying to figure out where in the house this ladder would lead up to. Okay. With your basic understanding, this ladder would probably lead up to, if not... Uh, behind the kitchen, then there's a, like a little copse of trees out behind the house, maybe out there, um, or maybe into like the carriage house, like a stable, but just for like one carriage, um, one wagon, that it very well could lead into there, like somewhere there, not back up into the house though. You, you're pretty sure that you're too far north to be under the house anymore. Okay, all right, so we have a, we have a way out. Okay, I'll quickly look in what's in this cupboard. Guy, you open the cupboard Inside, you see an orderly stack of clothing. As you're kind of trying to figure out what you're seeing, you see a shirt, pants, hose or socks, shoes, a jacket, all folded up nicely in a little pile. And then next to that, another one and another one and another one. There are eight little stacks of clothes all lined up. And as you look at these clothes, you recognize that... Each one looks a little bit older, a little bit more aged. The style looks a little bit different. Moving back um, through the eight different stacks of clothing. As you are looking at this cupboard, kind of scratching your head like, what is happening? Suddenly, you hear, and you hear the click of the lock of the safe as somebody has shut you in. And that's where we're going to stop for tonight. Jeez. <laughs> uh, well, on that note, hey, thanks for listening. Uh, don't forget to come chat with us on Discord. Also, if you want more content, go check out our Patreon. Um, at some point, I will start streaming more regularly again. Anyway, until we get together next time, we hope you have a great time.